The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. I will not wear the mask. 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 I will not wear a mask. I will not get the vaccine. I will not get the vaccine. And I will not get the vaccine. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. In the Lord, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust, and I will not be afraid. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day. For the Lord is the great God, and the great King above all. Rise up, O judge of the earth. Render punishment to the proud. Lord, how long will the wicked, how long will the wicked triumph? Righteousness and justice are the foundation of this I hate the work of those who follow it. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, mercy shall be built up forever. Your faithfulness you shall stand. On an instrument of ten strings, on the lute and on the harp, with harmonious sound. For you, O Lord, have made me glad through your works. I will triumph in the works of your name. are on high forevermore. For behold, your enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. I will defy tyrants. 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 Amen. And with that, good morning, America. Welcome Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people. All the boat ruckers who are in the house this morning and anybody else I may have missed, too. The Sons of Liberty Radio Show here on Red State Talk Radio. We use the Bible and the Constitution not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. And I know that doesn't sound as exciting coming in out of the music as it does out of this. This this little girl at the end of the, the video that we play there, she reminds me of my youngest daughter uh, so much. They, they don't look identical, but just some of the mannerisms you see come out. And I got to tell you guys, uh, Matt Trujella reached out to me a couple of times, said that these young people, when they found out we're playing this every morning, they were so encouraged. And that's what we want to do. We want to encourage that younger generation to do what we're talking about. We want to lead them. And somebody left you know, this comment saying, oh, we agree with everything that's said here, but this looks like how the left does things. This is wrong. Let me tell you something. The Bible uses a term in the Greek called katecheo, 
It's where we get the term catechism from. It's where you teach by asking questions and giving responses to that so that you begin to teach your children. These children are being taught. They're going out and doing. They are not just mindless you know, zombies out there uh, like a lot of this stuff that you see produced by the enemies of liberty. These are children who are being brought up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We need to encourage that. And it's a great little slogan there to remember. I mean, I, I want you to keep it in mind. I will not wear the mask. I will not get the vaccine. I'll resist evil. I'm going to submit to God. I'm going to defy tyrants. Those are five little things that if you keep it in your mind, you'll be well-equipped to deal with things that are happening today. Now, with that said, if you would like to check us out online, please do so. Go to sonsoflibertyradio.com or sonsoflibertymedia.com. In fact, if you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio, slide over to sonsoflibertymedia.com. And if you want to join us on the video platform, yes, the numbers are being lied to on the platform here because I'm looking in the chat and there's tons of people in there. Uh, You can jump on on the video platform, you can enlarge that. You can see the faces made for radio and a couple that aren't, who's going to be with me in just a bit. And you can also click on that platform and join us in the chat. We'd love to have you there uh, this morning. A lot of Patriot friends were gearing up because at 10 Eastern, we're going to start a three-hour broadcast. It won't be on the radio. So if you want to pick that up, you've got to go to sonsoflibertymedia.com. It will be, it will be right up under all this stuff that's at the top. There will be an, it'll be in an archive form. There'll be a list there. It'll be a Menards protest. We're going to use um, Adam and Bethany's title for Unmasking Menards. That's going to be at several locations of Menards uh, for their fascist um, work with fascists and government. Um, so that's going to be there. We're going to be streaming that live, okay, three hours. And you can click on that. We're going to have it on several websites. We're going to have it over here in the right in the right side of the page. Maybe I'm not. No, we probably won't put that there. But we're going to put it as an article form where you can share it out. Probably going to stick it up on before it's news as well dot com, which we're also streaming to this morning. So you want to check that out. Also, it, real quickly, if you want to help us, and you have the means to do it, uh, it costs money to do. So we let you know our needs. Donate button is right at top of sonslibertymedia.com. Click that if you want to make a one-time donation. If you want to partner with us as a monthly uh, partner, son or daughter of liberty, that's also at the top of sonslibertymedia.com. Our store is there. You can pick up products as well. And uh, I want to open up this, and then we're going to bring on uh, Kate and Kevin here in just a moment. But yesterday, we put out an article. And this comes from, the information comes from Yudra Vigilance, I hope I'm saying pronouncing that correctly. We put one out last month, okay? And that was on March the 13th. And at that time, there were almost 4,000 people that had died following the COVID injections. In less than a month, in less than a month, that number rose 68%. Did you hear that on the news? You guys listening in Europe, did you hear that on the news? You guys listening in America, did you hear it in the news? No, you didn't. And the adverse effects, the injuries following those vaccines almost doubled in less than a month. Okay? Keep that in mind uh, because this is very important. This is information that the media is not giving you 
They are specifically hiding it from you, and they keep pushing the mantra, don't they? Safe and effective, safe and effective, safe and effective. Why? Let me tell you why. Because they're big pharma pimps. They are being bought off with the big pharma advertising that comes on your television that says, do you feel like you can't mingle in a crowd? Do you feel like you sweat too much? Do you feel like your toenails are curled up? Do you feel like you get acne on your face? Well, contact your doctor and tell them you want blah, 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 blah. Have them prescribe this for you. They're in bed with them too. Okay? Now, with that said, I want to welcome to the Sons of Liberty radio show, my co-hosts for Saturday, the T2K crew, um, Dr. Kevin Corbett, and our health and wellness expert, Kate Shamarani. Good morning, guys. Morning. Good morning. morning. Great to see you guys. Fabulous morning here. Yes. yes. Now, did you guys guys see this this report here that I, I put out? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> what do you got to say? Yeah, we're actually seeing it on the ground here, you know, every single day on the real media, not the lying lies of lies media. We're just seeing more and more and more people injured or killed with these experimental devices. I'm not even going to call them vaccines. They're death shots. Um, and this is just coming out more and more and more. And uh, one, one story yesterday, a young man that was um, given this, and then was collapsed, was so sick. And he was discharged from a hospital very quickly where he actually couldn't walk unaided. His parents had to hold him up and he'd had a brain bleed. He would have never have been discharged ever. You, you just wouldn't discharge someone because then it becomes that they are a danger to themselves. If you, you go home, you know, you never discharge anyone that's drunk from the emergency room until they're sober Because when I was working in the emergency room a couple of years prior, a young lady had been sent home drunk and she fell down the stairs and broke her neck. And then it becomes like you're liable. So they're sending patients home who shouldn't be. And Dr. Corbett, I'm sure, will tell you when you die within 24 hours of a procedure or being in, in a hospital, then there becomes an inquiry. So you've got to ask why are they shunting them out very quickly back home? And, uh, and this is, this is really happening, which actually I've got to make this statement. The nurses are singing like canaries. They're all coming out everywhere. They're leaving their posts. They're coming off the register. You've got students who don't want to finish. I mean, it's huge. So for all of you nurses that are still there and you know, you know you're lying. You know you're concealing it. You're complicit in a crime. And it's a crime against humanity and it will come out and you will stand trial because they're going to use you as the scapegoats because the government aren't saying have a vaccine. It's everybody else that's making it mandatory. The RCN, the Royal College of Nursing, has just said they cannot make it mandatory and they shouldn't make it part of your employment. So who is giving these deadly devices? And now what you're reporting on, it's not the doctors. Oh, no, 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 no. They don't want it on their shoulders. It's the nurses. And they will be the ones that it will sit on because the vaccinators are not professionals. But all of you nurses out there, it's in your scope of professional practice. You shouldn't be doing this. And you're going to take the rap. They're going to load it on you. Remember when they put a rainbow over you and they call you heroes? It's generally just before they kill you. Yep. Dr. Corbett, you got your, you're out of, you're out of your, your normal attire and a background and everything. He's got more badges than me. I know he's got his, <laughs> he's got the, the nurse outfit on and all. Uh, what do you say to this? Because 
we we've talked about this before. This report that I gave uh, here just now, this mm. report is only a, a small percentage. What one to five yeah. percent that get reported? So we're talking. This has the potential, even the numbers we're seeing here, to be. I mean, could it really be ninety-five percent more than what what the report is out of this uh, uh, Udra vigilance? Well, can you hear me, Tim? Yes, I can hear you. Yes, I think so. I think you're right. What we know about this sort of official data is that it's enormously undercounted, and by that we mean it's just the tip of an iceberg. They can only get the tip of an iceberg collected when they collect that sort of data because lots of doctors are refusing to report the events the adverse events dr corbett can can you hear me can you hear me a second because you're you're fading your fate you were sounding great and then you're fading down quite a bit so i I know you've got a different set of headphones and things is that any better yeah that's that's good for right now um what we know about that data is that it's undercounted so it's enormously small in comparison to the real picture and on some estimates it's less than one percent or even at the most less than ten percent of the true picture and because it's official data tim what it what it means is that it's official data so anything that is a a death or um, a severe episode of or morbidity illness associated with the vaccine may not be ascribed to the vaccine. And it means that the official data you've got to question, you've got to take it with a pinch of salt, not just the volume of the data, the numbers, the actual size of the data, the statistical size, but also how it's collected and reported. So even if it's correct, it's enormously undercounted. So it's enormously small compared to the real picture. And also it may not be true even within that data set, there may be far more deaths in reality than are recorded in that data. So this is an, it's just an ongoing embarrassment to the authorities that they have these official data portals, these websites that show the data. And, and you know, if they'd like, they would like to, um, to censor them, we know that, but they can't because the... In America, you're more transparent. You've got freedom of information well ahead of us. Here, we do have freedom of information and we have access to this sort of data. But the data as it is, the, the deaths and the illnesses, the adverse events associated with them, which are hugely severe, and the, the mortality of the deaths, they, they reflect the picture that the British government predicted last autumn when it put a tender out for artificial intelligence systems to capture the expected deaths and morbidity associated with the vaccine. And that's the government's own words last year. The British government said they're expecting an enormous amount of deaths and adverse events due to these vaccines. So they put tenders out through the European tendering process to um, give contracts to AI companies to create these adverse events reporting systems. So this, the, the government knows that it's killing its own people. And when the government kills its own people, the word is genocide. And that's a word that was used here by a whistleblowing nurse on the alternative media last Wednesday on what's called UK Column, when she blew the whistle on the, the 
issues associated with the vaccine delivery in her own health board. She called it a genocide. She called the deaths a genocide as a registered nurse in public, as a senior nurse within the National Health Service in the UK. She was calling it genocide. She isn't a conspiracy theorist. She isn't a demonstrator. She is a senior nurse working in vaccine delivery and the policy side of vaccine delivery. And she's calling it a, a genocide. Now, what we do know is that these people who are coming out and whistleblowing, these nurses and doctors who are whistleblowing, actually know that they're involved in the genocide and they are delivering the genocide. So they're working with a degree of cognitive dissonance. They're able to blend together the damage that they're involved in delivering with the fact that they're actually taking a salary, they're taking an income from this activity. Now that mirrors what happened in Nazi Germany in the 1930s and 40s, where doctors and nurses of the Third Reich euthanized whole sections of the population based on government policy. And they knew they were doing it. They knew they were doing it. They're able to accommodate this murder with their own daily lives of taking a salary from the government. So history is repeating itself here, and we have direct evidence of it now in the last few weeks. We've been calling this for the last year. Myself, Kate Shamarani, and other whistleblowers were calling this out over a year ago. We were laughed at, and now nobody's laughing. They're not right. laughing now, because everything that we predicted, everything that we foresaw, everything that we relayed, now there's a huge amount of evidence coming out supporting what we said and it's very unpleasant because these people that are coming out in public in the uk saying as nurses or doctors that they're involved in vaccine delivery they are indicting themselves in public it's like signing your own um, statement in court when you go into the nuremberg trial it will be taken down and used as evidence against you and i only hope that these individuals are having the proper professional and legal advice before they come out into the public domain and they say what they're saying because it's very very serious what they're saying they're owning up to murder and they're saying i'm a murderer but i can't stop it because i need a salary yeah, I believe it's demo side when it is it when when it's your government. Is yes, it demo side when it's your it's your government. But when genocide. you're targeting an entire group of people like that, it's it's the genocide. You know, we had uh, Kirsty, we had Lisa, and we had Mandy from Scotland on on Monday, and uh, I'll, we'll have some of the links to these things in the archive. So you guys, if you miss that, you'll be able to hear their testimony of how they came out of what was going on. They had lots of questions, and when they realized what was going on, they said, "Nope, we're not having any." I think. Uh, I think it was Mandy who was quitting that day. She was quitting on Monday, uh, turning yeah, in her resignation. Now, quit. you that, guys... That, 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 Tim, is the right thing to do. Yes. That is the right thing to do. Once you come out in public and you say this is happening, you have to put your mouth where, your money where your mouth is, as we say. You've got to stand by what you've observed. You've got to act appropriately, um, professionally, ethically, and, and spiritually. And by that, I'm saying if you know you're involved in it, then it's a sin. Uh, you can you can ask for forgiveness, but you cannot continue doing it. You have to desist. That's right. There's got to be repentance. Yep. Mm. 
Yeah, one of, now I, I, let me let me bring up something before you jump in there. You guys have have started the ball rolling for this, and I know you're not sitting, you know, gleefully going, "See, we told you so." No, you're you're actually very concerned, but you're glad that people are coming out. But you guys yeah. have started this British Nursing Alliance, and uh, Kate's been telling me how that's going on. I think this week you guys doubled the numbers. You're up to a couple of grand now. Do you, do you want to hit on yeah. that? I'm assuming a lot of these people are coming out from this system that's doing this and they're joining with you guys saying, Nope, these guys are right. They were right all along. And we want to be part of that because now we see exactly what's going on there. Yeah, there's uh, we've got nearly, I, I believe it's uh, nearly 2000 members or it is 2000. It just keeps growing. Um, we've had a meeting this week, Dr. Corbett and I with nurses from Canada and America. And also the Italian nurses have come out. We're supporting them. They're supporting us. There was a group of Italian nurses very publicly went out on the streets and they're being threatened with fee registration. So a doctor uh, got in touch with us. And so uh, we've got now got emails. So we're actually bringing this to, it will become as well, each country. Our aim is to make it the World Nursing Alliance as well, so that we're all in this together and working together. We have very uh, set ways of which we want to take this. It's fantastic. Um, but you know, these nurses, um, they're coming out and some of the things that they write, it's harrowing. I actually told a group of nurses to stop writing on a WhatsApp group because exactly what Dr. Corbett said, they're signing their own statements. Um, it's, uh, it's very interesting the way it's happening. And, and it's like a retreating army. What's happening here. It's like they're throwing every weapon off the truck as they reverse, you know, they're now coming out and saying in the UK, they're going to make it mandatory that all healthcare workers in in several trusts have got to have this deadly device it's not the government so today i received another text from a student nurse who is she's just joined our british nursing alliance page which is going to be the foundation for an actual register she's just come and said i'm dreading my next placement i will not have this vaccination this device and she said and i i won't put it on to anyone else I don't want to wear the mask and follow their policies. And this is a student. What's really interesting here, and Dr. Corbett will tell you, is we have a shortage of nurses. And what's happening is more nurses are leaving the profession than are joining the profession. They had a huge problem with nurses that were about to retire and would no longer be registered. So, uh, you know, there's that thing of, well, if everyone says we're not doing it and they come off their register... Um, then it's kind of going to leave the whole thing is going to be on a skeleton service, but it already is. Do they actually need the nurses? Because they're not doing any of the treatment. Tim, just before we go any further, one of the people that came onto the British Nursing Alliance had an incredible story and it leads us on. And I know we're pushed for time and I don't want to miss this. Um, The British government, they actually bought from France their entire stock of midazolam, and midazolam is a sedative and it's used in end of life care often. Midazolam and morphine, we've spoke about this on the show. It's a chemical kosh and it's, it's not really the disease that kills you. It's the treatment that kills you often in an allopathic medicine. And so you can pretty much guarantee that when someone is put on this care pathway with a syringe driver with the morphine in it and the midazolam, you pretty much can say, you've got about 48 hours and that's it. You're going to be, um, you know, standing before God. So what's happened is they've, they've purchased all this. 
and no one's answering as to where it's gone. And it's a huge amount. It's a huge amount that's been purchased. And we had a doctor who is, is a minister, an MP, saying, you know, well, we want, you know, we want more. Have we got enough syringe drivers for all these patients to be given a, a comfortable life, a life into death? We need the syringe drivers, which is, you don't need that at all. It's, 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 a, it's a killing machine. So all this modazolam has been purchased. Where has it gone? Dr. Corbett and I are going to be speaking about this and putting our next letter into the government demanding answers because, you know, we know where it's gone. Of course we know where it's gone. And why do they need that amount? I mean, it is a staggering amount and a staggering amount per mil. But, of course, that leads me on to uh, something, you know, the whole nursing thing, going back and tying this in to the British Nursing Alliance There used to be a day when nurses were really held in high esteem. They were pillars of the community. It was a respectable profession to go into. It was something to be very proud of. It isn't anymore because most of these nurses, they're pharma pimps. They don't know how to heal a body. And when we hear the robotic way that a lot of these nurses are dealing with patients, I have a patient last week only diagnosed a couple of weeks after finding a problem. And they said, sorry, we can't do anything for you. Um, uh, if you go home, then the, the Macmillan nurses will come in and they'll handle it from there. So they haven't given her any way that she can uh, prolong her life, make her life more comfortable. This wouldn't have happened 30 years ago. It just would not have happened. But these nurses, it's all high tech. Get, get a syringe driver up, get a, a, a pump up get an IV up, get everything done, you know, even wounds, get a suction device on the wound. It's all about high tech. No one actually wants to look after the patient. Patients starve in hospitals because the food is put in front of them. No one wants to feed them. So I want to go on to that. I want to go on to this medazolam and where nursing has gone. And we want to take it back to the people's nurses. And I want, I want Dr. Corbett to tell you actually what happens there. Go, go ahead, Dr. Corbett. Well, I think this is all part of medicalization of death and allopathic medicalization of death because when you look at the history of these drugs, these pharmaceutical products, morphine, medazolam, and those that went before them, it, it's almost, it parallels almost like the medical approach to childbirth and the obstetricization of childbirth because what we know is that living and dying, you know, death is part of life. And yes, people do get symptoms that can be controlled naturally without pharmaceutical products. But what you have in modern day healthcare is this medicalization of death where people cannot die without a specialist nurse or within a hospice setting or without morphine or midazolam or these very sophisticated intoxicating products. And they are intoxicating They are toxic products that confound people's respiratory system and they they inhibit respirations at certain levels. We know that with dimorphine and morphine, it's a respiratory depressant. It affects the hypothalamus and the whole regulatory system and it suppresses respirations. So this whole idea that you need to die with high-tech intervention is totally questionable 
and has been undone many times. This whole idea that you need to die in a hospice or in a hospital setting. You know, hospices are basically the medicalization of death so that people don't die on general medical or surgical wards, they die in specialist units. But 100 years ago, people didn't die in specialist units, people died at home. People had a doctor if they needed symptoms or a nurse if they needed symptoms control. And why can we not have this? And when I worked 30 years ago as a palliative care nurse specialist, I worked in the home setting and I felt it was my job as a, as a patient advocate to keep people out of hospital and to keep people comfortable in all sorts of ways without resorting immediately to all these drugs and high-tech interventions. But it is very difficult to do that because the government created these specialist tiers of service, like you had the Macmillan nurses, this was a, a form of palliative care nursing, special team of nurses called Macmillan that came in after Harold Macmillan, the prime minister in the 1950s, um, gave his name to palliative care movement. So the Macmillan nurses came in and they took care of the existing community nurses or the family and, and they override and they come in with these high-tech medications and sophisticated syringe drivers, irrespective often of whether they're needed. And that's a very controversial thing for me to have said and I'll be shot down for saying it, but that is the truth. I remember in the 1990s, many district nurses who were the equivalent in America of home visiting nurses, we call them district nurses, and they would be very resentful at Macmillan teams that came in, they took all the dying patients off them, and they put them on all these sophisticated syringe drivers and medications, and they really de-rolled, de-skilled the district nurses who were already competent in palliative care, and they integrated palliation within their caseload. So they didn't see it as anything different to the normal run of the mill. And, and this is what's happened, that death and dying has become big business for the pharmaceutical industry, huge. So they're producing separate drugs, more sophisticated, more high-tech, more expensive. And this is where it's gone. It's led to the development of the hospice system and specialist dying centers. And if you look at the Benelux countries, by that I mean Belgium, Netherlands, and Holland in Europe, the Catholic bishops there for the last five years were warning that the specialist um, care units for palliation and for older people have become euthanasia suites. Euthanasia suites, because of this push for palliation and the change in Europe in the law whereby older people can elect to be killed, mercy killing, euthanasia. Well, that's murder basically. And that's what we're seeing now, obviously with the vaccination system here. It's, 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 it's a kill, it's a kill injection, it's a kill jab basically. And it's on top of all this approach to death and dying. It sees it as something as a medical specialty, as a high-tech specialty, and not as part of normal everyday life. Death is part of life. It's part of life. It's not separate to, it doesn't need specialist management. And all this expertise that's been developed in the last 50 years, um, oncology specialists, um, palliative care nurse specialists, Macmillan nurse specialists, this is all part of an expertise that's developed as a result of this idea that people cannot manage the normal everyday symptoms associated with death and dying, just as women 
were convinced that they needed to have babies in hospital. You know, birth is part of life. Being pregnant isn't an illness, it's not a pathology, but women have been convinced they need to have specialist management in specialist centers, obstetric units, specialist doctors, and that ends up with being induced and having caesarean sections, which are unnecessary in 99% of, of instances. So this is a similar, similar approach that's happened. It's part of this pharmaceutical industrial complex and the way it sees the human body and the way it colonizes the human body to create markets for drugs and expertise for journals and for medical practice. You know, Dr. Corbett, one of the things that I'm thinking of while you're speaking is the focus on death. Uh, I've seen it over the past few years in reporting that the UK has become uh, much like the U.S. is becoming and th- with this fascination of death. We had it through the, the murder of the unborn in the womb. We've, we've, we've been introduced to it in the States. Dr. Korvorkian, you remember Dr. Death, uh, assisted suicide, euthanasia. You guys have had it. Now we have entire things. Um, I'm drawing a blank here. The, where the, the people are considered terminal, they put them in the hospice care and stuff like that. All of this stuff focuses on death. You know, the scripture speaks to that. It says, He that sinneth against me wrongeth his own soul. All that hate me love death. And we don't have enough people. This is the thing that I think is 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 great when we have people like you and Kate on, uh, Doctor um, Calker. I sent you guys the interview. I don't know if you got to see it, but what they're but like Doctor Calker. I mean, it's almost too fantastic to believe that there is just something natural. It's not. It doesn't come from a big pharma company. Something that is a natural compound that you can put in your water. That they put in water now to kill viruses, bacteria, all kinds of stuff. And it's even selective. I, I asked about that, um, that it kills all these bad things in your body. It leaves all the good bacteria and stuff intact, and they're using it. I mean, they're, he told us um, in the interview we had with him this week, they're in the third stage trials. And mm-hmm. I said, has there been anybody that you've not been able to help? They're using it with COVID, you know, alleged COVID patients. They're using it with people who have staph infections, people with big holes in their feet, Um cancer patients, all kinds of people, they're using that in there, and they're not mm. doing it so that they say, oh, we can we can kind of keep you comfortable till we cut your leg off or till we cut something out of your body or till you die. No, they're doing it to to give them their life back and to, and to bring healing to them. And so, mm. um, you know, I'm reminded of that text because of what you were saying. That's where the focus seems to be. And well, uh, you guys are coming out and saying, no, 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 we're not going to have any of that. We want to actually help patients get better so that they don't have to come back and see us. Well, Tim, I looked after a lot of people who died at home and they didn't want to die in hospital. They didn't want a high tech death. And when that was made very clear early on, this is what we work together for, you know, with, with myself as the nurse the family, the individual, and we worked around the system because the system tried to levitate the individual towards the hospital or the hospice. It was as though nothing could be done at home. And what we found is I could do all sorts of therapies at home. I could do all sorts of symptomatic control at home. I could give all sorts of uh, natural uh, remedies. I could even give allopathic therapies 
if that's what the patient wanted at home. They didn't have to go into hospital. I could do IV therapy at home, intravenous therapy. And the patient could stay out of hospital, out of the hospice, and they had a much more productive life for however long. And what you found is that a lot of the times patients recovered and they lived longer than predicted because a lot of what we talk about in hospitals and hospices about death and dying, it's like it, the words itself, the environment creates yep. circumstances. That's exactly right. It's like a social construction of death. And this is what we know about, um, you know, this whole movement towards specializing death, making it a specialty. And yes, as much as the hospice movement may have had some, um, some benefits to begin with, because the acute medical services, the acute surgical services didn't understand how to deal with people who were convalescent or maybe who were a recuperative or who were curing themselves uh, because they don't work with that sort of model. Then what's happened though is that the hospice movement's become this sort of death and dying mantra, like a euthanasia movement almost. And this is what you see in the Benelux countries is it's very frightening because in those countries in Europe, they've changed the law, Tim, and they're allowing people to opt for early death. So people for all sorts of very spurious reasons Maybe they're mentally ill, maybe they're psychologically unwell, and they opt to die, and they're, they're killed through injections, rather like, the elect, like, like, um, like in the court in America, you will, people will be, will be, they, will be, they will be murdered by the state, they will be executed, and it's a similar process there, and this is such an anathema to, to Christians, it's such an anathema to ethical medical and nursing care let alone whether you're Christian or not. But for Christians, it's absolutely abhorrent because what you see is at that end of the life, life, uh, life spectrum, at the older end, you're seeing people killed, just like you're seeing the increasing number of abortions, the lower time limit for abortions, where it's almost acceptable to, to, to abort fetuses almost to term. You know, and, and this is what you're seeing, this gradual, as you call it, this this uh, engagement with death and this dark side, which has taken over medical care. We, when we came into nursing and medicine, it was about looking at, you know, I'm wearing the uniform, you know, I've got my qualifications, you know, I've got my medals, this is my, my qualifications, my, my, my nursing um, certification, my qualification to practice, irrespective of the nursing medical council, we don't need them to practice, we're already qualified. But the Amen. thing is, the thing is yep. that we we know that nursing and medicine, true nursing and medicine, is about caring for people. It's about helping people live. Yes, there is a point of time when people die, but this has become too early in many cases. And this is what you're seeing with the COVID situation, where you've got these pathways of care that end in ventilation very quickly. And, and, and they end in this huge intervention, either antivirals or ventilation, which will kill people, just like putting up di dimorphine infusions will, will pe kill people's respiratory drive and it will stop people breathing, irrespective of whether they're ready to die or not, or whether they're really truly dying. Who decides these things? Where's the cutoff for this? Who decides somebody's dying? Surely it's God's decision. And people themselves know when they're dying. 
They do know in their heart of hearts, they know in themselves. It's not something that's prescribed by doctors or nurses, and it should never be the case. And this is what's happened is that the, the, the government and the pharmaceutical industry have taken over medical and nursing practice. They've taken it away from clinicians and they're guiding this along some very dark, sinister pathways. We've seen this now in this country for the last 30 years. Tim, in the last 20 years in the UK, we've had major episodes of hospitals killing thousands of patients. We've had general practitioners killing thousands of patients. We've had three major scandals in the UK. The Shipman, the doctor in Manchester who killed thousands of patients, the Mid-Staffordshire Hospital in the middle of England, which 15 years ago, it killed thousands of patients, and the, the Gosport Hospital in Hampshire that killed thousands of patients. All done with things like diamorphine, all done with pathways of care like the Liverpool Care Pathway. The Liverpool Care Pathway was no such thing. It was the Liverpool Death Pathway. And what they did with that pathway, that care pathway, is they actually got rid of the title and they made it mainstream. So it still exists and it's still going. And that's why we have all these deaths. Yeah, they use uh, morphine and midazolam on those patients and relatives have gone in and they've been feeding their, their loved ones who've had all food, water and essential medications removed from them. That's what they do. And remember, on the 29th of April 2020, NICE gave uh, authority to the doctors and nurses to do that to any patient critical frailty score six through nine. That means they might even just have had a stroke and need help with washing and dressing. And it's given them authority to do this. And they've asked for a law to be passed retrospectively to the beginning of this pandemic, scamdemic, that will protect them from criminal charges. Why do you need protecting from criminal charges? If you've not done anything wrong, you gangsters. That's right. But anyway, that's not happened yet. But they are doing this. And relatives were, were sneaking food in and giving it to their loved ones. And they recovered and didn't die on this pathway. And this happens all the time. I have a gentleman who's on the British Nursing Alliance. He's not a healthcare professional, but we've allowed a few people on there because they're giving us some amazing information. And I'm just gonna tell you just his first name is Paul. And he has tirelessly researched about this midazolam being purchased. And he's actually had a member of his own family um, murdered basically. So, you know, he's brought this right to our attention and we owe it. Dr. Corbett and I are the medical revolutionaries. We expose the lies, we reveal the truth. And we've given that, that uh, promise to people that we are going to do things like this. And we've already served two genocide notices to Boris Johnson and the Minister for Children and Families. So we are going to write this letter. And I think nurses need to, to actually get some discernment and think because they know it's wrong. And there are a lot of really good nurses there are so many bad nurses. And then you've got the ones that are bad and dangerous. And um, liking their moment in the, the light and their heroes, and they're getting all of these discounts. And they don't want it to stop. A lot of them want harder lockdowns. And, and they don't realize, they can't see that they are actually just part of this plan to destroy mm -hmm. the NHS because it's been taken over by the government. So... Um, 
they can't see the bigger picture here that they're going to lose their jobs anyway and likely their lives. Well, that's it. They're they're being the they're going to be the useful idiots that are yeah. used as a political battering ram, and then in the end, they're going to be the first ones off because. And Bradley was yeah. saying this earlier because if they'll turn, if they'll be treasonous to their own people, well, then the guys mm-hmm. using them don't want them around them to be traitors to them and betray them too. So that's what's going on. Look, um, I want to let you know. Uh, I was going to cut off directly on time. If you guys can stay over, we'll stay over because I got a lot done. So I'm pushed forward into the afternoon, which is great. Uh, so we can go 10 or 15 minutes over if you guys want to go over. But what I want to do yeah. is, Kate, you've got some things you want to share on cancer survival that we put in here. And I want the radio audience to get that. And maybe we can pick this up. But it's not just the nurses coming out and warning the people. I don't know if you guys have seen this video. I don't know where this guy is. Maybe you can chime in in a little bit. I'm going to play about a minute or two of this video. This is a gentleman walking around in a store. It seems to be... Somewhere in the UK, you guys could probably speak about it in a minute, but it seems to be in the UK. It's something equivalent to a Walmart's what it looks like. And he's got a megaphone on and he's got a recording that he's playing and he's he's causing quite a scene to warn people of what uh, former Pfizer Vice President Michael Yeadon was saying and that is your government is is lying to you. Listen to this guy. <laughs> You've been brainwashed! <laughs> Your government is lying to you! This is absolutely brilliant. He's just going to go down, he's going walking down the aisles. Everybody's got these stupid masks on. I mean, this is absolutely amazing what what these guys are doing. And the people are, if you'll, there's about five minutes, five and a half minutes here. People can see. I'll have it in the archives. The the people are coming to the end of the aisles to find out what's going on. And then, of course, you saw some people, they're like drones. They're just going Mm -hmm. on uh, like this guy's a nutball. I'm not going to look him in the eye or anything. But you can see the people are drawn to what he's saying. 
and you know he's resonating with some people, I think that's a tremendous encouragement. What, what say you guys? And then we'll get on to the cancer issue because we got about seven minutes here. Tim, I would just say to that, can you hear me okay? Um, yeah. Yep, go ahead. That, that basically we could do a similar thing in any hospital or clinic, and you get a lot of interest from the hospital nurses. They're arrested the- as well. <laughs> and the reality is that, you know, just to come back to what we're saying about nurses, nurses work in systems, health systems, and they're very good at managing those systems for the patient and maximizing them. What's very difficult for a lot of nurses to come out against the system, uh, but when they know the system's killing people and is hurting people, then they have a moral, ethical, professional, and I would argue spiritual rationale and impetus for doing this, for coming away from the system, for standing apart from it. And that may well mean they've got to lose, they've got to leave their job and they've got to deregister from the regulation because the regulator is controlling them. The regulator is part of the government. It's not independent. There's no such thing as independent regulation now. It's government control. And the government, like Nazi Germany, has taken control of healthcare and it's hurting people. It's killing people. I said this way back in May last year in an article called The COVID Nazification of the Health Service. And people laughed at me, but they're not laughing now because a lot of doctors and nurses know they're part of it. And they're caught like flies on the flypaper, like rabbits in a headlight, and they're vacillating. They don't know which way to go, but they've got to have the strength of their own understanding and their beliefs. And they've got to take action and they've got to come out against it. Yep. Well, yeah, we we have. We've got to come out. You know, Dr. Corbett and I are in London on the 24th of April, the two of us. Um, We are together on that, which we can be. That's all within the rules. Um, There are a lot of people heading to all the major cities. I know that there are lots of different groups of healthcare professionals that are all coming out in uniform. There's lots of people. I'm obviously, we're not organizing anything. Dr. Corbett and I are just going together. We've got things to talk about. But, you know, this is the time. This is a moment in history. Are you going to be on the right side of history? Are you going to be on the dark side killing people? And you will stand trial because they are going to look for the fall guys. And they want the nurses because you've done it. That's exactly what you've done. That's what history taught us. And they'll use you. They'll use you and make a spectacle. And the public are starting to immensely dislike, sometimes hate the nurses, they see you as perpetuating the part of this. So get on the right side of history and it's no jab, choose life. No vax, choose life. No vax, choose life. No vax, choose life. Amen. So that's what actually that's part of a campaign. Hashtag no vax, <laughs> choose life. There are thousands of bracelets being printed that you can get on your wrists and we'll tell you about that. Get it on everybody. But anyway, uh, I know you want me to talk quickly before the time goes out. Yep, you got about Patients four minutes. are not getting their care for cancer. The clinics are closed. The diagnostic clinics are not running in a lot of places. So look, what can you do? It's the same as what you could have always done. If you're diagnosed with cancer or you think you have it, the, you find a lump in your breast, the first thing you need to do is change your diet. Go on to a plant-based diet. Do not have any salt in your diet. Plant-based, I don't mean eating all these fake vegetarian foods. Get a juicer, get making some carrot and apple juice. 
Thomas Talberg did a study that when you eat animal protein, your T lymphocytes go down. When you restrict animal, pro- animal protein, they go up. You need your T lymphocytes to kill cancer cells. Get some B17 tablets or get apricot kernels, bitter apricot kernels. One for every 10 pounds you weigh. You weigh 20, 120 pounds, then you take 12 a day with some fruit. Um, get some vitamin D3 down, you not too much, just 5,000 international units with K2 separately. Take some sulforaphane, that's Brocomax, B-R-O-C-C-O-X, O-M-A-X, Brocomax. There's studies out there, sulforaphane stops new cancer cells forming. Take some milk thistle, it's going to help your liver, it's going to stop uh, cancer cells, it's going to help make new liver cells. Take the burden off your liver. Do not drink alcohol. There's nothing in it. Alcohol actually switches on the breast cancer gene. If you find a breast lump and you're a woman, get some 2% Lugol's iodine. Put it on the breast lump. Put a plaster over it. Keep putting it over that area. Don't drink fluoride, chlorine, bromine. Get a distiller. Get a big Berkey water filter if you can't afford it. Get some bottled water. Check the fluoride content. Fluoride's going to push iodine from your thyroid gland. Your breasts need iodine. If you've not got iodine in them, what do you get? Tenderness, pain, inflammation, lumps, fibrocystic breast disease, cancer, boom. Get some zinc, 50 milligrams every day. Get some selenium, 200 micrograms. Everyone should be on that. It's going to support your thyroid. You need your gallbladder. So it's all linked, your thyroid, your gallbladder. You need to eat a clean diet, organic. Don't waste it. Get out in the midday sun. Do not beast your body exercising if you have a cancer diagnosis. You're going to use up all your energy on exercise when your body needs it for healing. What does a dog do when it's sick? It sleeps. That's exactly what it does. And go look on um, Northern Baja Gerson Center, Dr. Patrick Vickers. I believe you're going to have him on your show, Tim. And I'm going to be interviewing him again. He's got a great video on the Northern Baja Gerson Center on coffee enemas. He talks through how to make it, how to do it. I'd show you, but I really don't want to be on video showing you that. But both Dr. Corbett and I do coffee enemas. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to see Medical that. <laughs> manual. They're fantastic. So you can get some niacin, vitamin B3, increases oxygen to the cells. Peroxide spray after you've had a shower, rub it on your skin. It's going to increase oxygen to your cells. Get an ozonator, ozonate a jug of water. These are all things you can do. But if you can't afford any of that, just switch to a plant-based diet and keep your mind clean. Amen. If you're listening to everyone saying, oh, you're going to die, you're going to die, you'll die. That's right. Mm. You, know, That's right. you can pray and reverse disease. That's right. Dr. That's right. Joe Dispenser's proved that. Yep. When we yep. talk about the house of God, we, it's in here. Yeah, we are it's it. It's in here. That's right. It's in here. That's right. So... Kate, Kevin and wait, I were taught Kate, let, let me, let me hang on. Hold, activities of daily living. Kate, hold that thought. Hold that thought a second. I got to close out the show here. Guys, uh, she was talking about milk thistle, and there's some other things. She told me this is a good product. I use it. This is my MMS that we talked about with Dr. Calker. Uh, a couple drops in that. We also add it in the water as well. <clears throat> you guys, look after yourself. Look, 10 o'clock. That's in one hour. We're going to be streaming live. SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. All the protests. Have a great weekend. Lord's Day. Stay with us. They're going to they're hang on.
And we're off the radio there. <laughs> um, okay, so we're going to hold you guys over a couple of minutes because I did get a lot done this morning. So, you know, I'm not so pressed. No. Uh, but, uh, Kate, do you want to finish your thought? And then, uh, Dr. Corbett, I'll, I'll give you the last word on things. Yeah, well, I can be contacted at kateshemirani at gmail.com. I do take lots and lots of patients. Apologies because my inbox is just, it's full. <laughs> um, and again, if you're a nurse or a healthcare professional, or you're thinking of even being a nurse or a student, come on to the British Nursing Alliance on Telegram. Um, we're going to be putting our four core values of what we are going to be pushing for this register on there. Um, I, I don't think either Dr. Corbett and I were prepared for how big this was going to get. We've got to clean the page on that because people are ramming masses on there. So we're opening a chat group as well. Um, this is, it's phenomenal. This is a great time and you know, we're, we're going to put classes on there of how to assess a patient. Rachel Seller is with us, Tim. You know, you know, Rachel, Rachel Seller's with us and two wonderful, wonderful nurses. One who's a holistic nurse as well from America, uh, Kirsten and Grace. Um, so we're going to be bringing all these great minds together and all these doctors that I know and I've met have offered to do classes for us. I'm actually interviewing Dr. Leonard Coldwell. Uh, I, you should get him on the show, Tim. Um, but we're going to be doing all this because all of these things, when you assess a patient, there is a huge void in healthcare now. And many of these patients, it's a bit of a double-edged sword. You know, when, when I'm told, oh, incidentally, D. Manny Mitchell is ready to come on the show and we'll do this, the three of us, myself, Kevin and D. Manny Mitchell, okay. talking about cannabis oil. And she actually cured herself. Um, but she's an author of a book. And she knows I had a really bad back injury. I couldn't even put my chin down. If I'd have gone into A&E, I'd have been given diamorphine, uh, something for the sickness from the diamorphine. I would have been out of it. I'd have been constipated. D advised me what to do. I took huge doses rectally of high THC. Do you know within two hours, I had no pain and I couldn't even get my pants on because I couldn't lift my legs. That's how bad the pain was. And uh, uh, my friend, Katrina, my trusty cameraman, she's admin on our group, British Nursing Alliance, Alistair's mom. She came around. She saw me. I was gray with the pain. She also saw me two hours later, pain free. I wouldn't have believed that in nursing, that something from our creator, a plant, could be so fantastic. So Dee and I have had this conversation. She has a big group on Facebook, D. Manny Mitchell. Her book is called My Way. And she said, you know, they've got lots of patients coming on her page who can't get their treatment anymore for cancer. And we had this big discussion and I've talked to Dr. Corbett about it. It's a bit of a double-edged sword here because if they do it right and they follow a natural method, they're not having that cytotoxic drug, which is mustard gas, is likely going to give them a better opportunity to live. Because remember, in one 92,000 patient study at 10 years, and they all had chemotherapy, just chemo, there were 11,000 breast cancer patients on there. How many of those were alive and disease-free? Because it's no good just looking at alive, because you might be so sick you can't do anything. How many of those 10,000 patients were alive and disease-free at 10 years on chemotherapy? It was under 3% under 3%, which is horrific. So 
You can't do lots of studies on nutrition because you'd have to lock those patients in a unit for over two years to study Gerson therapy. Because once they go out and they do their own thing, you don't know. And how do you do a control group? What do you give the control group? If you're not giving them all the juices and the diet, what, what, what control group do you do? Right, you go to McDonald's every day for the next two years and you eat this. So the absolute truth of is this working is at the patient's bedside. Is your patient alive? Are they healthy? Are they well? Are they disease-free? That is a true indication of disease reversal and health. So, you know, in one way, these patients aren't getting care, but in another way, this is giving them an opportunity to survive. And this is what the British Nursing Alliance is about. We want to train these nurses in how to really deliver nursing care and disease reversal. And these nurses are virgins at this. They're virgins at it. They've never been taught any of this. They don't know any of it. So they're not really 21st century nurses, but they will be. It's my dream. And I'm like, go, go, go. And Dr. Corbett is my thinking man. And he, he's got all the notion of how to do it. He's been a senior nurse lecturer. He knows all the pitfalls. He knows how to put it together. And this is an absolute marriage of bringing it all together. I just was about to say, Ropatini and Logan, we were trained in this. Activities of daily living. And it's breathing. It's eating and drinking. It's eliminating. It's even expressing sexuality. And at the bottom of these 12 activities of daily living, you've got spiritual. This, this is an extra three, which I put in spiritual, psychological, and relatives. And that's really important because your spiritual is you know, getting your getting right with God, your psychological is where's your mind at? Is your mind at thinking the doctor said, I'm going to live six months, six months. So they're always, they're working towards death, not towards healing and disease reversal. And then relatives, what are the relatives pushing on to the patient? Are they supportive of what the patient wants to do? Do they find it difficult to see their loved one dying? And that's where they push them into the hospices because they can't deal with it. And this is where the Macmillan nurses come in by giving you the syringe driver, the chemical kosh. It makes it very easy for the relatives to deal with death because you're unconscious. You're just unconscious, fading away on the morphine and midazolam is killing you first. So one of the things I ask my patients and they'll all tell you this is I say, do you want to live? And you know, when I ask them that, they never come straight back and go, yes, they're, they're really shocked. I ask them and then they think about it because mm. that's a really important question. Do you want to live? Yeah. Really important. I agree. It's the foundation uh, for everything. You know, let me, let me throw something in here too, because you mentioned the THC and I can hear some people who go, oh, okay, mm. I don't want to get high, but we, but just to remind you people. You don't get high we, when you take it I, rectally. Right. So One that, grain gets you high orally. I right. was taking 20 grains rectally. We've got this weird thing about yep. the anus. This weird thing about the anus can't be talked about. Let me tell you folks, 
get a look, put a mirror on the bathroom floor and stand over it. You've all got an anus. It's part of your <laughs> digestive tract. Well, it is, I, but, but what I wanted you know, to, what I wanted to say, you don't get high at all. Yeah, well, that's what I wanted to say. We, we discussed that because people who might say, Hey, I don't want to do it because of this. You know, they've been trained a certain way. It doesn't do that. And Dr. Corbett, you explain how a lot of the medicine was administered that way. and was very effective. This was some of the issues with, with the coffee enemas that you guys talked about that it didn't do the same thing Mm -hmm. to you as if you ingest it through the mouth and so i want to i want to assure people look what case talking about you've already seen it why do why do they want why did they want to get rid of marijuana well there was a number of reasons but you can see that is a a medicinal purpose that could be used for it and we've seen it in this latest you know scamdemic thing where they're they're putting off even drugs that they make very cheap drugs like hydroxychloroquine and other things like that to say no 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 we're going to ban that why because you can you can get healing in it they don't want you to have that Yes, the, the pharmaceutical industrial lobby, the, the complex, the pharmaceutical industrial complex moves to even more sophisticated and more expensive preparations that are patented. So only they can give it to you. So anything that's natural, that's ubiquitous and is free or cheap automatically gets sidelined. It gets dished. It gets dissed. It gets labeled as ineffective. And This is a product of what we call evidence-based medicine and evidence-based nursing. This whole tramline thinking, this protocol-driven care, you're not looking at the individual, you're looking at a set of blood results or you're looking at a set of figures. And what Kate's talking about, the Roper-Logan-Tierney model, these were models of nursing that came out in the 1960s and 70s, great philosophers of nursing like Virginia Henderson in America, Patricia Benner in America, we had Florence Nightingale over here, and we had the Loper Rogan Tierney uh, model here. These were philosophers of care, really, in the UK. And in the 1980s, it came to a crescendo. We had these models of nursing, many of them UK-based and American as well, US-based. And they were really about nursing. They weren't about allopathic medicine. And this got pushed into the bin all this got discarded in the 1990s and the 2000s with the big push for evidence-based medicine and evidence-based nursing. So the philosophy of care got sidelined, the soft approach, as the scientists called it. I'm a health scientist, and I don't agree with the soft, hard approach. I think they're all the same. They have an integrated approach. But the medical side took over. The statistical side of care took over. It ended in protocols. We've had 30 years of hospital killing in the UK, the, the shipman killings, the mid-staffordshire killings, the Gosport killings, and the, the other absolute debacles as well, where thousands of people have been killed through allopathic health services. And that's the truth. We need to go forward and involve a philosophy of care, a nursing philosophy. And this is what the British Nursing Alliance is about. It's about recreating a nursing philosophy that is naturopathic. It's not allopathic. It's non-allopathic. It's not dominated by pharmaceutical industrial interests. And it's independent. It looks at individuals as spiritual beings, as human beings, not as numbers, not as a set of surrogate markers. And that's where we're moving towards. And there's a huge 
push towards this now. We've got over 2,000 people already on the Telegram group, and it will be growing more and more. It's incredible. People are ripe for this. They're ready for it. This COVID disaster, this COVID Nazification of all our health services across the world is the death throes of allopathic medicine. It is desperate. They're desperate to inject people. They're desperate for people to take the antiviral drugs. They're desperate to continue the pharmaceutical industrial lobbies, um, you know, talk, um, poisoning of us. And this is the end of it. This will end. It will get worse before it gets better. But this is the end. The germs of its own destruction are within it. The bastardization of our nursing and healthcare cannot continue. It has to stop. And it will only stop when we, we have a new approach, when we have a recrudescence of a true philosophy of nursing, a true philosophy of care that is nothing to do with what we've seen in the last few years. That's, that's our understanding, and that's where we're going. Amen. Amen. Uh, okay, guys, we I'm, I'm going to have to I cut off. I've got to leave you, Tim. Yeah, I've got to cut off anyway, so we're going to do that. We appreciate your time. Also, if you would, before you go, Kate, if you will drop me the link, uh, or, or Dr. Corby, if you'll drop me the link in Telegram, I'm going to start adding that in our Saturday archives so that people who are nurses, doctors, whatever the case may be, they can they can start coming over and finding out where you are at the British uh, Nursing Alliance uh, because yeah. we want to promote that to get those people on with you guys so that you guys can um, can work together in that. Yeah, I've so, done it just now. Okay, thank you very much. All right, guys, um, that's all. Day. Thank you for having us on. <laughs> yep, it's thank good to have you guys. All right. And God bless. Yeah, you guys have a great day, and we'll talk to you soon. Um, guys, listen. In 45 minutes, I'm going to be starting up a new stream. Uh, you got some of you guys are on my Facebook page or on Setting Brush Fires, and I that hasn't been on in two months. And more than likely, they're probably going to kick me off by Monday or Tuesday too for another 30 days. For who knows what they're going to do? Probably this show. But the fact of the matter is, we're going to be streaming live. Okay, we're going to be on the Sons of Liberty Media dot com. That will be in the archive form. So when when it'll look like an article, okay? So when you go to sonsoflibertymedia.com, I'm going to have it, and I'm going to show it to you right here. When you go over there, just scroll down. You'll see the, the slider and the, the featured stuff that we got there. It'll be this one right here. Now, it may slide down a little further. It won't be, obviously, this one with Obama. But it'll be this. You can click on it. The live video will be there. It will not be here. This will be where the archive of this morning's show is. Bradley will be on at 3 p.m. Eastern right here on sonsoflibertymedia.com. But it will be here, and we'll title it Unmasking Menards and Something with Protests, okay? Or something along those lines. Click on that. The video um, will be there, okay? But the video will only be on there beginning a little bit after 10 p.m. Eastern, 9 p.m. Central because I have to start the stream, then I have to grab it, and I have to stick it in there. Once we're done with that, we'll upload it to Rumble. If you're not uh, subscribed to Rumble, it's Sons of Liberty Radio Live. Put it all as one word, Sons of Liberty Radio Live on Rumble. Subscribe there because what we're going to do is as soon as they open it up there where they're archiving the live show, that's going to be the new YouTube. And trust me, it's going to be the new YouTube. Okay? These guys are serious about letting people have dissenting views and all of those things. 
And within a couple of weeks, they're going to have that. So you'll be able to take and share those. Once those videos are, you can't do it now because once we're done with the live on Rumble, I have to delete it because it doesn't archive it. And then I have to set up for the next next show. So Sons of Liberty Radio Live. One word on Rumble, subscribe there. Subscribe to our newsletter um, on sonsoflibertymedia.com. You always get the articles we have uh, from contributors, myself and Bradley, and also the Morning Archive is in there. So do that, and Lord willing, 45 minutes, we'll see you then. You guys who are going out to the protests at Menards, more power to you. God be with you, and uh, we'll see you then.